will have no filter. I will get us canceled and I'll probably show you my boobs. Which is what we're all here for. Really. My corn, my corn exactly. titties. I'll show corn you my titties. corn titties. You're killing me, Smalls. <laughs> what movie, Parker? That is The Sandlot. Wow. Isn't it? Hope That's for the good. kid yet, John. Welcome, everybody, to the X Factor podcast. Uh, shout out to all the day one P1s who are uh, listening, our loyal listeners. Special shout out in the intro. How about that? Special shout out to Sarah Swenson, who's a day one P1, has listened to every episode and uh, really digs Parker. Really? Wait, and what? Here's what I mean by really digs Parker. Don't get excited, Parker. She's oh, married. Gosh. She digs your antics on the pod. Ah, my antics. Oh, Specifically yeah. Specifically the fact that I will ask you pop culture references that you have no idea about. And uh, I convinced you that uh, Judas Priest was a Christian rock band okay. and they're live. The Vatican album was the one you should watch. So um, welcome, everyone. Now that we got the uh, perfunctory prerequisites out of the way. I haven't even started on my cocktail. And I, I was going to say, I see, I see some cocktails in front of you and I hear language already being slurred. That's good. Perfunctory. Will you say perfunctory prerequisite? I wasn't going to say that. <laughs> perfunctory prerequisite. There you go. Nice. Make yeah, you first, first try. Awesome. First try. So this uh, today's podcast, as uh, have been all of our recent podcasts, are brought to you by our friends at John. Bottom Gun Coffee. Shout out to BottomGunCoffee.com. And they are a team of coffee makers who are submariners. Yes, submarine veterans. These are the guys and gals that know coffee. So uh, the, 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 uh, the heroes that are under the ocean protecting this nation, they drink a lot of coffee. And these are all submarine veterans and they are making, I think, the best coffee out there. It's bottom gun coffee. That's what I drink every day. Bottom gun. So, so fun fact. Yep. You've seen the movie Top Gun, right? Yes. And what what does Top Gun refer to? The well, term Top Gun. Yeah, it's the fighter jets, fighter. Navy. Yeah, they are literally the top, top guns. Right. right? Oh, I didn't bottom know that. Bottom gun is not just a cute name. It's not just you know a, a cool brand name. I mean, it's a cool brand name, but it's not just that. It's um. The actual term for John. Yeah, a submariner. So we're firing our missiles. We fire our torpedoes from below the ocean. So it's all about stealth. We talked about stealth in a, one of the past episodes. So it's about sneaking up on your enemy and then giving them a missile or a torpedo. Episode nine. It's episode well nine. below the hard deck. Well below the hard deck. Maverick. Yeah. Subservice. You know who... Uh, you know, three quarters of the way through the movie, you know who was was well below the hard deck with the bottom gun was Goose. Yeah, Goose didn't make it. Yeah, poor Rest guy in sank. peace, Goose. Poor guy sank. I just want to cut in. Uh, I still have not seen Top Gun. What? <laughs> wow. I, but, uh... but, but that will change. That will change. I can watch it probably this week. You should go to the uh, go to the box and feel shame. That was another movie reference you won't get. 
go to the box and feel shame. Oh, that's a hockey movie. Wow. It? Yep. That's uh Oh yeah. I remember that now. Oh look, they brought their toys. Yeah, I have, I have no idea. Slap shot. Nice Slap track. Shot. Yep. yep. Oh, that's he hasn't been referenced. Seen that one either. That's been referenced before. I, I still didn't get that. Yeah. Coach Brew, I notice you are wearing a cowboy hat and glasses for those who are not watching us on YouTube. What is the deal? Why are we celebrating? Um, why are we wearing a cowboy hat? I'm, uh, I'm in burrito today. You can't recognize me. Aha. Totally in burrito. Burrito? In, yeah, in burrito. It's when like you're disguised, you're, you're going in burrito. Isn't that the term? Uh, <laughs> incognito but yeah, incognito yeah, it's in burrito all right we'll go with that i like yeah, it okay. so um yeah i just you know it was a bright day out it's also winter and chilly uh, i wear my cowboy hat in the winter and i wear my sunglasses when it's bright and i just decided you know what i'm going to keep them on and, and complete the look and for everyone out there in youtube land watching this this is for you I got all dolled up for you. I even cut myself shaving. Where is it? Right there. Yeah. yeah. With an electric razor. Fun fact. Yeah. Hmm. Trimming my beard. I cut myself shaving and it was bleeding forever. Like it looked like a, a crime scene in my bathroom. How do you cut your face with electric razor? That's, That's like a great question. I'm a grown adult and I don't know the answer to that. It's horrible. That's like uh, slamming a revolving door. It's not possible. But I've never thought of it like that, but that's actually a really good reference. Probably that's, from a movie. But. Oh, yeah. Sla what is it? Probably Slapshot again. Or Fletch. Or, oh or any gosh. other movie from before you were born that you've never seen. I would actually... You, have you seen that uh, clip of... Tom Cruise going off on a oh, couple yeah. of his production oh, yeah. assistants for not being socially distanced enough on the set. Yeah. So I would actually love to somehow get Parker in a room with Tom Cruise and have a secret hidden video camera and mic, like have Parker mic'd up. He's wearing a wire. Yeah. And I'll just say, Hey, Tom, did you know, this curious young gentleman right here has never freaking seen Top Gun. He would jump up on a couch. He Dude. would convert you to Scientology as a punishment. Yeah, I feel like I would. He would. Uh, he would definitely hunt me down. That's for sure. He, have you all seen that? Have you all seen that video of him? Just, just one last thing I gotta say. Now I'll, I'll be quiet. Uh, the muzzle studio boy here. Yeah, yeah studio so. boy's talking. What's going on here? <laughs> so, have you guys seen the? He needs the video to be the DFE of everything but talking. Yeah, <laughs> the video clip where Tom Cruise, it was in like Mission Impossible or something like that. He does like all of his own stunts and yeah. jumped from building like yeah. one building to another, and he like broke his like he foot. Yeah. yeah, he like broke his foot. On literally, they they said the the moment he broke his foot was the best clip that they got, and they actually put that in the movie, or something yeah, like that. It's in the movie. Yeah, that's, that's true, crazy. True story. Yeah, does his own stunts. I just figure he broke his foot jumping on Oprah's couch. <laughs> he's like five foot three on a good hair day. Did you know that? Yeah, he's pretty short. He's like real short. Yeah. Tom Cruise. So yeah. 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 
So oh. uh, what episode number is this, DFE? Episode 11. Episode We're on 11. Episode, uh, 11. Uh, episode, is it Unse? For our Spanish brethren south of the border? Unse. Don't Unse? say. Think yeah. so. No, it would be, yeah, it would be Unse. Yeah. I don't know. See, Parker's default setting is just to correct me. And then these rare yeah. occasions when I'm right, he's like, oh, what? No, I wish I hadn't said that. Yeah. So today's episode of the X Factor, we are talking about X Factor drinks. Drinks. As you yes. can see, uh, multiple bottles in front of me. Um, I'd rather have a bottle in front of me than a frontal lobotomy. So, uh, <laughs> John had to think about that for a second. It's like cocktail hour here. It is cocktail. It is five o'clock somewhere, and we're talking about X Factor drinks, Coach yep. Brew. Yep, I'm. Uh, I'm gonna step drinking? out of incognito mode a little bit here. In burrito mode. So, Coach Brew, what are you drinking right now? Because I'll tell you what I'm drinking. I am drinking a samuel adams boston lager we're going to talk about why i'm drinking that here in a little bit but uh, wicked you... pissa sally you got it, a sammy it's wicked pissa yeah you got beers sally got beer cut your nails for god's sakes so what do you don't spill none of your beer on the carpet <laughs> so what are you drinking there coach brew uh i've got uh, an ice cube ice cube and i'm gonna be drinking some maker's mark Nice. 46, not the regular makers. Although Coach Brew, check this out, has his own. Uh, Get it in the there. You, look at that, Coach Brew's blend. How about that? Coach Brew has his own barrel at the distillery in Loretto, Kentucky. Makers, shout out, Makers Mark. No free shout outs. I can't. I, I can't give him a free shout out. No, but they might send us some bourbon if we. Yeah, we do need a bourbon them. sponsor to. It would pair nicely with Bottom Gun Coffee. It would, it was. So I'm talking about Maker's Mark. That is my um, X Factor beverage. All right. Wow. And I'm, I'm going to pour me a little. And while I pour me a little, let's, hey, yo, Sully, while I pour me a little, why don't we talk about uh, Sammy and your beers? We're talking about Sammy and my beers. All right, that sounds good. Samuel Adams. You ever heard of Samuel Adams, guys? Parker, Coach Brewer? Parker's underage. I'm amazed he's even allowed on here. He's not no. underage. I think he's like 22 or something. Yeah, actually, guess, the, guess, how, guess how old open. I am. Let's guess see if I can get a sound effect. Hang on. Let's see if I can get a sound effect with the bottle. That's it. There we go. That's the noise. So, so, so Parker, how old am I? Parker, you're 24. I'm comment guessing. comment down below how old how old <laughs> i think i am 24 you said based on your mute lack of movie reference knowledge i'm assuming that range all right i'm gonna the, give the, you guys a hint if you're gonna comment here's your hint he's got a cowlick and a milk mustache <laughs> all right so how old do you think i am coach how old do i think you are yeah Oh, I'm allowed to play this game? Am I allowed yeah, to play the game? Yeah, let's Oh, okay. Uh, How old do I think you are? What year did you graduate college? 2020. 2020. Yeah. I think you are maybe 23 at the oldest. 
because I can still All count right. the number of hairs on your chin. I know. I got. I got like, like a puberty neck. hasn't completely kicked in. I got like a little bit of a. On your entire beard. face, it's working its way up. So I'm I'm 23. Ah, about to turn 24 this year. Nice. The good. That age. was a good. Those were good guesses. He's yeah. still a young pup, folks. I was operating a nuclear submarine at that age. <laughs> yeah, that pales in comparison to operating a f-ing podcast, John. <laughs> True, true story. True, true story. I mean, like you're responsible for millions of dollars of government issued equipment. Yes. Parker's responsible for me. Yeah. And yeah, I'm a national treasure. That's and, more dangerous too. Yeah. Honestly, I, I get radiation from, from coach Brewer here all the time. He, it's he, get, it's get mankini exposure. That's yeah, the no, literally. Well, actually <laughs> I had somebody uh, message me. Yes. And their exact words were, holy I thought that Mankini photo you posted on social media was photoshopped onto you. You photoshopped your head on someone else's body. Well, that's that's until I I saw you waving the Mankini on the podcast. Oh, my gosh. Coach Brew, you put the man in Mankini. Mankini. That's all I can say. Yeah, there's a a bunch of uh, nuclear radiation coming from coach brew on the on the both of us my 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 two preferred pronouns are man and keeny we're a yeah. little we're a little off track but we but are getting canceled getting by the way i figured everybody else is before we get canceled youtube before you deplatform me i just want to tell everyone to go out and buy my new book beyond stadium status which is available beyond stadium status.com and it's i'm looking forward to it i haven't got it yet Coach, you mailed them out. So the U.S. Post Office is doing their fine job getting it to me. So I'm looking forward to getting it. Um, yeah, shout out. Here's a free shout out for the Postal Service. We sent my in-laws who live in Australia, Brisbane, Australia. This is a, a key and very salient fact. The location of where they live, Brisbane, Australia. Brisbane, okay? Mailed their Christmas presents out. Halloween, because it takes so damn long to get there, and their customs and and postal service is just, uh, you know, layers of minutia and administrative crap, and they're just impossible to deal with and do a horrible job. Anyway, we tracked the package, went from Maine to California uh, to Australia. It was in Brisbane, Australia, before Christmas. And we're thinking, okay, it's actually going to get there on time to their house. Then all of a sudden, it takes an about face, leaves Brisbane, Australia. And we check, like two or three days later, it is in Brisbane, California. Oh, shoot. Yeah. It had the international postage, like all the custom stuff filled out on the box. We declared exactly what the stuff was. It got shipped to Brisbane, Australia, and then back to Brisbane, California. Nice. We just got that package shipped back to us. It never made it to its final destination. It was returned to sender somehow. Well, it did make it to the right city. It just didn't make it to your in-laws, huh? Horseshoes and hand grenades. Yep. We're just really grading on a curve. So sad, Hmm. sad. Yeah. Um, 
we are really digressing and, and our producer is doing a horrible job keeping us on task. Uh, but we're, we're talking about beverages. We're talking about beverages. X Factor beverages. Sam Adams is beverage number one. And John, what is so X Factor esque, X Factor ish about Sammy Adams? So let's talk about Samuel Adams because that's kind of an interesting story. That, the uh, Samuel Adams. The Samuel Adams. We're Not Samuel about, Adams, beer man. No, we're going to be talking about the, the Samuel statesman. Adams, Boston Logger. We're not talking about the, the Patriot, the American Patriot. Well, you said, let's start talking about Samuel Adams. And I thought you meant the person, not the beer. No, we're going to talk about the beer. All right, well, <laughs> get, get going. This is a great episode, by the way. Um, did you know, did you know, Coach Brew, that no, in 1948, there were a thousand breweries in the United States that made beer? And by 1980, there were only 50 through consolidation and bringing everything together. And there was only 50 brewers making American beer. And American beer generally in 1980 sucked. There were basically very few brands. It was a very watered down version. And we were known around the world as kind of the laughing stock of beer. You, you think about what? what was popular, like back then, what was popular? Heineken? Yeah. Molson? Import. Import. Yep. Amstel. Yep. Yeah. Like, so it's like Molson, Labatt, all these Canadian imports, which is why I have been pounding the pulpit that we need to build a wall, build a wall on the northern border to keep Canadian beer out of America. I agree. And make them pay for it. Absolutely. I didn't know there was that much consolidation. I mean, I mean there's, there's a lot of consolidation in, in, every industry soda beer like you talk about beverages oh, but yeah. that is the culling of the herd so let's then we'll take our story to a guy named jim cook who was the founder of uh what's known as the boston beer company which created samuel adams boston lager right so he was uh he was a guy that uh typical uh kind of growing up in new england his dad um was a brewer brewmaster right? And he had worked in all these breweries. And as he actually became a master brewer, and he graduated from brewmaster school in 1948. But as the brewery shrunk, um, he had to keep moving around the country to keep finding work, right? And so he told his son, I don't want you to get into this business. It sucks. It's a terrible way to make, make money. Go get yourself a college education. Go get a real job. And that's what Jim Cook did. He went out and got a Harvard education, got his MBA, and he worked for one of the top consulting companies in the 80s, Boston Consulting Group, based out of Boston. BCG. Yep. Yes. So one of, the, one of the top consulting groups, he was there. He was there six years. And he basically said to himself one day, <clears throat> do I want to be doing this for the rest of my life? And the answer to that question was no. He didn't like what he was doing. And he said, well, if I don't want to do this for the rest of my life, why do I want to do this even tomorrow? So he hatched a plan to follow in his father's footsteps, but more than that, his father, his grandfather, his great-grandfather, his great-grandfather. As it turns out, he's a sixth generation brewer, brewmaster. So all of the, the, uh, the uh, oldest sons of all of his family, tracing all the way back six generations, were all brewers. And so he went to his dad and he says, I've decided what I want to do. I'm going to quit BCG and my 
very lucrative job <clears throat> where I'm making a bunch of money and I'm going to brew beer. And you know what his dad said to him? He said, um, you know, son, you've done a lot of stupid things in your life and this is the stupidest, which is basically not exactly what he expected to hear from a brewmaster when his son's going to follow in his footsteps. But he realized- endorsement to keep the family tradition alive and well. <laughs> exactly. So, so I think it's kind of interesting story that you've got a guy that, you know, he had it all. He had the big job. He had a nice house. He had a nice car. He was making a lot of money. Um, he had ex escaped his family business, which had been brewing beer. And he was into, you know, making money, right? He had the, he had the fancy degrees. He had the, the fancy job. And he said, you know what, though? This isn't my passion. This isn't what I want to be doing. I love the whole idea of beer and the whole idea of brewing. And he said, and he said to us, he recognized that there's only 50 breweries in the U.S. and they all suck. And the beer, the U.S. beer is terrible. I'm going to bring back a family recipe from his great, great grandfather, and I'm going to brew it in my kitchen. And he started brewing beer in his kitchen. And uh, he actually launched the company in 1985 and uh, launched the Samuel Adams, the one I'm drinking right now, Boston Lager. <clears throat> and in six months, he won the award of best beer in America. And, uh, you know, it's a hell of a trajectory. It's pretty amazing. I mean, that you've had how many generations toiling away at their own version of doing the same thing. Yeah, it's really with interesting. no notoriety. Exactly. And, you know, so I mean, what did he do differently, John? So the big thing he did differently was he uh, he kind of abandoned the way we'd been making, you know, mass producing beers. And he, he generally followed the old recipes from from very long ago from his great great grandfather. And he got the right ingredients, he put them together the right way. And he built a beer, what I'm drinking right now, that actually has flavor, that actually has taste. And it turns out he actually created the craft beer uh, industry. The craft beer industry did not exist until Samuel Adams uh, Boston Lager came out, Boston Beer Company kind of got created. And then suddenly there was a whole market. As you know, now there's, it's so interesting. Right now there are 5,000 breweries in America. So just by that one person saying, you know what, we're going to do things differently. They actually hatched an entire industry and that's the craft brew industry. I'm not a big fan of craft brew. I should say that up front. And I am drinking a Boston Lager. I prefer bourbon, which hopefully we'll talk about in a little bit. But um, I think it's pretty interesting how, Jim Cook had it all and decided to throw it away to follow his passion, the thing that he was most interested in, and then take this sort of idea of bringing back really good beer to America. Now, America exports what's, its beer to all of What's he have now? Now he has it all. He has it all. He's he has a national, like yeah. me, he is a national treasure. <laughs> just, just like you, a, natu yep. a national treasure. Exactly. exactly. I mean, those aren't my words. That's what, that's what many people... Sorry, that's what a number of people call me. Yeah, yeah. And by a number, I mean one or two. So is your nickname like Cowboy Corn Titties? Uh, I do have corn titties. I, uh, I gained the COVID-19 this year. Um, uh, <laughs> yeah, so uh, that's my stage name, Parker. Um, John. Yes. So there's big beer you yes. know like big pharma big beer big, big beer. banking big you know there's like these corporate entities and he's kind of the antithesis of that uh, but but how is he competitive 
And how is he scaling this thing back then from an advertising, marketing, just from, is it one of the hardest things to do? What I know about the craft beer industry, we have like 30 something craft breweries in Portland, Maine alone. Uh, Portland, Maine in 2018 was the number one craft beer city in America. But what I know from that industry and the people I know in it here locally is the hardest thing to do with a craft beer or micro brew or whatever you want to call it is to scale yeah, and to sell outside of your own immediate area. Yeah. How was he so successful in doing that? Obviously he's first to the party. So yeah, he's so first to the party. He had a, he had his own, you know, he had a very special recipe that again came, you know, could trace back to his great, great grandfather. But I think, I mean, smartly, in a way, he, he you know, did white label production. He contracted with other breweries to make his beer. Shout but, out to, uh, it's either Old Milwaukee or Milwaukee's Best, I believe. Yeah, so that's interesting. So They he used, white labeled his stuff, right? Yeah, he went to, um, he went around and found a brewery that could make his, his, uh, his blend, if you will, uh, in mass quantities so he could mass market it. But what's interesting is on the marketing side, he kept it like, we're just a small company, you know, we make stuff in our kitchen, but yet the, the, in the optics meantime, of that thing are beautiful. It's great. I mean, it, they, they kept the optics, right. They kept it on brand with, this is a new way of doing it. This is, you know, you know, good ingredients, great beer, but in the truth of the matter is they're making them in the same factories where all the other American beers are being made, which is where big of, beer is. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that's a little interesting, but I think just in terms of, he really did create an industry, create a, um, you know, now everybody's got a, a, a microbrew or they've got a craft beer and everybody has their favorite IPA or all this other stuff. So there's a whole industry now that it formed. But, but back in 1985, 1984, there was none of that. So yeah. Jim Cook, with a little bit of passion, created an entire industry. I just love that about him. So the idea about, you know, what's, what's your passion and, you know, can you make money doing it? And he found that he combined the two. And this guy's got the X factor, in my opinion. And there's a common thread in a lot of these episodes, and you're hearing it right now. If you listened to the X Factor brand episode, I talked about Marucci yeah. oh, yeah. Baseball Bat Company. Yeah. And the, the phrase I used, this is straight from the horse's mouth, Jack Marucci, chase excellence and the dollars will follow. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Jim was never chasing money when he was making Sam Adams beer. Yeah. He was chasing excellence going back Absolutely. to going back to the roots of what his great, great, great times go back six generations or whatever grandfather started making back in the day. <clears throat> I also the think that took care of itself. Absolutely. And I also think there's a story there behind, you know, when, when you go tell your family, friends, whatever, about your dreams, your desires, and you want to do this thing, the number one answer you're going to get is, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard, right? I mean, you, you are, yeah. and mostly because people around you want to protect you, right? They don't want to see you get sure. hurt. So they don't want you to, I mean, I imagine his father didn't want him to suffer the kind of, you know, uh, life that he had sir, had oh, as, yeah. a, as, a, as a brewmaster. So he's kind of a starving artist, you know? Yeah. So he was trying to protect him and say, that's a stupid idea. But he kept, he kept after his dreams. He felt like 
there, there was there was something there and he chased it he chased excellence yeah and now now they are the fourth largest brewery in the united states they are big beer now they started in, in you know in, in his kitchen so didn't they, they get are, bought out by big beer i think they are yeah they made him uh yeah. a um godfather off or we're gonna make you an offer you can't refuse yeah i don't have that data but i'm sure that's the case yeah so but but uh, what's fascinating anyways. about that john is um you talk about like your family and, and people close to you will try and talk you out, talk you out of it because they don't want to see you disappointed. Right. Like they're going to try and talk you into playing it safe. Yes. Yes. He tried playing it safe and he was miserable. Yes. And I think most people of any ambition who are creators at heart, leaders, when they, whenever they choose to play it safe are miserable. Yes. Yeah, it's middle of the road. And the only thing you find in the middle of the road is a yellow dotted line and roadkill. Yep. Yep. I also want to add in that whenever you are in like the the middle of the road, like you're saying, like roadkill, just to kind of add on to that point, there's always a phrase. There's a phrase I hear all the time because I'm big in like watching those motivational videos. Like not like I'm saying like David Goggins, like guys like him, like the true people that have like lived it, learned it and are teaching it. But one thing that I hear from all those like just great uh, leaders, uh, they always say there's always a high risk, high reward like situation. Absolutely. Dare to be great situations. Yep. Yep. That was from a movie. I'm looking for a dare to be great situation. I've also never seen uh, the the, kickboxer called Godfather. Godfather movies. Is that that movies i've never seen that no you got no you should just fine yourself for that you should kick your own ass parker there's a fine yeah, yeah. look for a dare to be great situation you'll never get that movie quote i've no. never i don't know that one Coach at Bruce. this point i could say anything and you wouldn't get it say another quote let's see if I that get was it. a hint at this point i could say anything and you wouldn't get it I don't know that quote. Oh, the, yeah, name I, of the, I, movie, I, the name of the movie is Say Anything. John Cusack. No. Nope. I, anyway. <laughs> anyway. I, that was um, my, you know, I, that's my Jim take. Jim Cook. Off. Sam Adams. Jim Cook, Sam Adams, uh, the Boston Beer Company, changed industry. So have the X Factor, in my opinion. Wicked Pissa. Wicked Pissa. Hey, so Cheers. what do you, Cheers. What do you got going on there, Coach Brew, with all of those wax red uh, bottles in front of you. So what are you going to talk about as far as X factor beverages? So first of all, I'm going to openly admit, I look like I belong in a 12 step program with all these bottles in front of me, but I'd rather have a bottle in front of me than a frontal lobotomy as, as the saying goes. Yes. So I've got, uh, my X factor beverage is maker's mark. Oh, bourbon. Maker's mark coach brews blend. bourbon nice and uh specifically i'm going tonight sipping the maker's mark 46 does nothing to do with anything uh simply letting you know what i'm sipping on if you're choosing to have a cocktail with us and the reason i chose maker's mark is very similar to the reason why i chose the marucci bat company the reason why you chose sam adams and it's Chase Excellence and the dollars to take care of themselves, kids. So Maker's Mark is a fascinating study. 
Uh, you know you, how you mentioned that Sam Adams basically created the craft beer industry in America? He did. Maker's Mark basically created the uh, renaissance or the, um, the love affair that America now has with bourbon. Bourbon is whiskey that is made in Kentucky that has a very specific, uh, it's called what, mash bill? Uh, 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 recipe it's, ingredients. Uh, so it's got to have corn. Yep. And the certain percentage of corn to be called bourbon. Yes. For, so it so, says here for whiskey to call itself bourbon, it, it must contain at least 51% corn. So historically, whiskey has been a poor man's drink. And is literally what you saw like. The cowboys and the outlaws sipping when they were in the uh, saloon after a long day of robbing trains or chasing bad guys or whatever it was, you know, like um, Jesse James, all, all the cowboy legends. Cheap whiskey. Cheap whiskey. Yeah. Um, and that was a stereotype that persisted. You see, um, iron workers and coal miners would go to the bar after their shift before they went home they'd have a shot or two of whiskey to just numb their body from the pain of work all day and chase it with a beer or two it was cheap pain management essentially it was a numbing agent and it was never something you drank for taste well bill samuels uh founder of maker's mark decided he wanted to do something about that. His family uh, for four or five generations now um, was distilling whiskey and he never thought it tasted very good. You know, uh, some people who don't like whiskey say it tastes like gasoline or it burns. And it's probably like bad whiskey, cheap whiskey does taste lousy. So he decided he wanted to continue in the family business kind of like Jim Cook. No one talked him out of it. He kind of grew up in the family business. He was essentially a sales rep for his father and decided that he wanted to, and he learned like from the bottom up how to make the barrels, all that. But he decided like, you know what, I'm going to start back at square one and I don't want to make like cheap, lousy whiskey. I want it to be excellent. He didn't have enough money as a startup bootstrapping a business to and he didn't have enough time to make a batch age it in a barrel for six years which is the minimum you have to age whiskey so he decided to use the same ingredients and flavor profile and ratio of raw materials and bake bread in his oven in his kitchen and they tasted these different breads tweaked the recipe a little here a little there and what he did was he added wheat to the recipe. He took away some of the rye and he added wheat. And he found it was much more smooth, much more palatable bread that just tasted better. So his bread recipe became his bourbon recipe. And he created a superior product. And he refused to price it where others priced whiskey in the same category. He had to elevate, separate, and differentiate. So what he did is if you, uh, if you look at the bottle, 
first of all, he spells whiskey differently. Yep. There's it's not W H I S K E Y. It's just S K Y. It just looks different. Number one <clears throat> from its spelling and has never changed. And number two, uh, Parker, keep the bottle up so we can see the top of it, not the label, but the, uh, the wax. Instead of sealing it with like the, uh, the paper seal that goes across the, the, the cork in the top of most bottles, it's hand dipped in red wax. Why red? Because there's nothing like it on a shelf of competitors. So it stands out as visibly different. It's still small batch. It's still handmade. Uh, one of the other things that is X factor about it is if you know anything about whiskey, you know, typically most of these people name their whiskey after themselves or their family name, Jim Beam, Jack Daniels, Harper, Dickles. Um, was it Michters, Miters, however you pronounce it, Buchanan's, Kessler, Dewars, Johnny Walker, Evan Williams. That's, that's the short list. So his wife came up with the idea for the wax seal on the top. Uh, and she said, like, you need to put a maker's mark. Just like any craftsman would put a maker's mark, like a little seal on your art. So they put uh, the S4 logo on there. I don't know if you can see it. Parker put it up there. Yeah. Uh, Samuels, fourth generation, and it's um, es essentially a circular logo like a seal. However, be different or be invisible. Oh, we'll just call the whiskey Maker's Mark. Yep. You need to put a Maker's Mark on it. Here's our Maker's Mark, but we're going to call the whiskey Maker's Mark. And by the way, that was his wife. Margie Samuels came up with the name and uh, and the idea of the wax dipping. That was her her idea, which is kind of interesting. She came up with the idea for you got to have a maker's mark, but he yeah, decided, yeah. oh, I'll just call it that. Yeah, so it's kind He's of interesting. kind of being a smart to his wife, and it ended yeah. up working. And it ended up working. So what's kind of interesting as an entrepreneur myself is that you know I I bring home ideas to my wife all the time, like what about this, what about that. So I was just wondering how many. How many wives through history have changed the course of companies? And here's an example of uh, Bill Samuel's wife basically, you know, coming up with an idea yeah. that ended up being the brand and, and the distinctive feature, the wax dipping on the on the top of that. And no one else does that. You know, it's so, interesting. Yeah. So let's uh, talk about distinctive features. I'm glad yes. you mentioned that, John Rennie. Distinctive features. Let's talk about that. So it's all about how you package your product or service differently than everybody else. It could be size, shape, color scheme, sound, sight, smell, taste, yep. feel, all kinds of stuff, right? When you unscrew the lid of the bottle and you pour Maker's Mark, the um, like the the top of the neck of the bottle and the lip are engineered and the glass is designed in such a way that it makes a very distinct noise when you're pouring it out of the bottle unlike other whiskeys or even liquors for that matter uh it makes kind of like that gurgle 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 sound as it's being poured out of the bottle into the glass he wanted people to not only smell how good it smelled but hear you talk about incorporating all the senses into an experience with your product or service. You wanted people to hear it sounded different too, 
which is wild if you think about it. Mm. Talk about the depth that people go to to design something. You know, Steve Jobs was concerned about how elegant and clean and organized the inside of a MacBook looked or an iPad. And if it got cracked open, you would see how like elegant and simple and beautiful the design was. You would also see the signature or the maker's mark of the actual engineer who put it together, the person who assembled it. Now, no one's ever going to see it. No one's ever going to know that, but he will. Most people won't know that they are listening to their bourbon being poured in a very different way than any other product. Some might notice. He will. His people will. So it's fascinating. If you look at the lengths that he's gone to to make it different, and different is better. You know, uh, it is also sort of the, they created the renaissance of the bourbon industry, if you will. Uh, your best ideas come from outside your industry or from like a uh, industry adjacent field. Well, have you heard of the bourbon trail? Yes. DFE, have you heard of the, you know what the bourbon trail is? I think you've, you've kind of mentioned it to me, but I, I do not know that much about it. So you can go uh, tour a lot of these different distilleries and there's basically a trail that weaves through, you know, part of Kentucky where you can go on these tours, sample product, purchase things. Well, there was no bourbon trail until Bill Samuels, there were, when there weren't even distillery tours until Bill Samuels decided we're going to start offering distillery tours. We're going to craft this experience. We're going to treat these people first class. They're going to get to sample the product. And at the end, if they choose to buy some product, they can do that too. Where did he get the idea? He and his wife went on vacation to California one summer. And they went up to the Napa Valley and they took a couple of vineyard tours. And he's sitting there one night in the hotel room thinking to himself, why the hell haven't we ever done that with our distillery? He starts doing it. Everyone else follows suit. They start offering tours. Oh. So he created the bourbon trail. I love it. It's amazing. You know, you know Coach Brew, uh, bourbon is one of my four favorite food groups, just so you know. You know that, right? So uh, Yeah. It's what? Pre-workout, yes. protein powder, coffee, and bourbon. Not necessarily in that order on any given day. Exactly. But those, and, it and is not one all of the, four taken at once. No, I usually don't at the same time. However, in, in honor of that, in honor of Maker's Mark, I think I propose that when uh, the X Factor podcast goes on the road, we do a tour of the, uh, we'd go on the bourbon trail together and we actually record episodes from each, uh, from each distillery. That's my, 100%. that's my uh, crazy idea. We'll that do I got that from outside my industry. Yes, we'll do <laughs> yes. that. So, um, cool thing. I mean, I could talk about for like 10 episodes about what makers does, but, um, they do a little guerrilla marketing, which I'm very fond of, you know, they've positioned themselves as super expensive compared to their competitors and in their advertising, they would lead with the fact that this, you know, their advertising, their print ads are so elegant that they just developed the slogan, this bourbon looks really expensive. 
because it is. It is. Yeah, I like that. So it was something you aspired to drink. Yeah, yeah. And you attract a, uh, I think it was, if I'm not mistaken, it was the great American philosopher, Randy Travis, who once said, I need to find me a better class of loser. The ones who drink their coffee with the coffee already ground. So like, basically he was, Samuels was doing this advertising and saying works. It looks expensive because it is because they wanted to attract a better class of not loser, but a better class of drinker. Absolutely. Aficionados, people who appreciated quality and were willing to put their money where their mouth is. The other thing with the bottle and the red wax is it was always positioned on the top shelf. It wasn't at eye level. If you think you go to a bar and on the back wall, there's the different shelves. Top shelf is not eye level. He had to do something colorful and different to catch people's eye. What's the first thing when you see when you go into a bar and you sit down at the bar? You don't see the liquor. You see the beer taps that are usually right in front of you on the bar. And you'll see the different handles with different logos. Maker's Mark decided one year they're going to send all of the bars and restaurants or customers of theirs, Maker's Mark, beer, keg, like the tap handles for kegs. Now, there's no Maker's Mark beer, but it was such a cool handle. They replaced like whatever was the kind of house beer that, you know, it's been sitting there forever with a uh, non-labeled, non-logoed handle. Oh, this is cool. We'll use this. Yeah. So he's kind of hijacking the mental real estate. He's hijacking the minds of beer drinkers with, I mean, it's almost subliminal advertising what he was doing. It's really remarkable, uh, Coach. I was thinking about last night. I told you I was out, you know, out to, with some friends to a restaurant. Yep. And uh, they are not known for having a big bourbon selection. You know, I've got another couple other places in town that do. But uh, so I was going to get a drink before dinner and I was just scanning the top shelf of you know let's see what they got him for bourbon and i couldn't make out much but you know what i made out i made out hang on hang on he's a top shelf guy folks oh yeah remember that when it comes to top shelf man i am a top scholar a gentleman top shelf in every which way the john s rennie Thank you for that. You, whenever you take the mic off the stand, I know it's going to be good. So it's public service announcements brought to you by the X Factor podcast. Please. But continue. I definitely saw that red, that red cap in that, you know, that wax. And it just, it stands out. And uh, I was looking, looking, the bartender comes over. What do you like? I said, like some bourbon. I said, give me that maker's mark. Cause I knew what it was. I couldn't recognize the other bottles, but I recognize that. So yep. it's that simple. He made a sale because I could recognize it from a distance and order it because I know it's good. And I know what I'm going to get. Yep. Yeah. And you, and you want to be like me, I think is the key. Yeah. I think in a lot of ways, um, you know, maybe less the man king, I think. Um, Two words for you folks, hero worship. But you will notice the mankini matches the red wax on the Maker's Mark bottle. That is by oh. design. Thank you. Ah. Hashtag customer experience. Um, so in all seriousness, this is a concept called ambush marketing. Yes. And that is what I think Maker's Mark does better than anyone. There are a couple other examples I can give you, like they did with the beer tap handles, uh, the red wax, like they just hijack your mind. 
uh, a couple other examples I'll give you. Uh, you've probably seen Uber advertising on public transit buses in major cities, like the back or the side of the bus will have an Uber ad on it. They are getting their competition advertised for them. They're paying the competition to put themselves out of business, essentially, <laughs> uh, for hiring drivers or just for their car service. And Parker, you're, um, you weren't even a glimmer in your parents' eye when this happened. But in 1984, the Olympics were in Los Angeles. That's a major city in California, by the way. And um, Fuji, camera company, film company. Back in the day, before there were digital cameras, there were these things called camera cameras, and you put film in them, Parker. Fuji sponsored the 1984 Olympics, but Kodak ran this really aggressive television ad campaign through the whole event and essentially made Fuji irrelevant to the point where when people were surveyed after the Olympics, they thought Kodak was the official sponsor of the Olympics. That's ambush advertising. Another great example, uh, 1996 in the Olympics, Reebok was the exclusive sponsor, but nobody remembers that. Everyone remembers the American sprinter, Michael Johnson, the fastest man in the world uh, at that time, had these shiny gold track shoes that he wore, like solid gold, okay? So that was to send a statement to everybody else, it's like, my shoes aren't the only gold I'm leaving here with. And he did, he won the gold medal, but everyone remembers the Nike track shoes. They think Nike was the official sponsor of the 96 Olympics, not Reebok ambush advertising. You follow I... Wendy's on Twitter, Wendy's trolls, Burger King, McDonald's oh, yeah. in and out. They, they, what a burger. They troll all their competition and they're just so funny and they do it better. They hijack these conversations. So I'll tell you right now, besides following us and subscribing under, to our podcast and following us on our socials, you know, below, click below, hit the bell, hit subscribe. Besides doing that, you ought to follow Wendy's on Twitter. You'll yeah. get the equivalent of an MBA in ambush marketing. They're brilliant. Whoever runs their Twitter accounts, brilliant. No free shout outs, but that, that Twitter feed is, is yeah. one of my favorites. Yeah. So I'll leave you with this thought, you know, ambush marketing. There's always a way, even when you're out, manned you aren't necessarily outmatched and i'm going to take a moment here the mic's coming out of the stand folks oh here he goes oh here God knows go. i mean business now so uh, i'll take a moment and honk my own horn here uh when i left my publishing deal on my books we need a horn sound effect because i don't think i do that justice parker all right. <laughs> We're leaving uh, that I kind of want to just leave that in because that's per that that's perfect. <laughs> that's better so, than no, that's better than the sound effect. So when I left my publishing deal with uh, the publisher to remain nameless because I don't give free shout outs for my book, Stadium Status, they asked me if I wanted to buy my buy up all the inventory of my book. Do you want to buy all these copies? $15 each. I'm like, bro, I could get them. They didn't say this to them. I'm just thinking this is how little you know about your own industry. I, you think I'm dumb? I can get the same thing printed for $3, if not less. No, I don't want to buy up the inventory. 
tickets. I said, well, why don't you want to buy it up? You know, we're just going to sell it and you're not going to make any royalty on those books sold through our retail channels. First of all, you've proven your miserable failure at selling into any brick and mortar bookstores. Second of all, I'm not convinced you know how to do anything on Amazon based on what I've seen. So you go ahead and try. So they said, all right, you're not going to get any royalty on what we sell on Amazon. I said, okay. So what I did was I uh, created an updated second edition that I put on Amazon, created my own Amazon account, and I ran ads on their Amazon page for my copy of the same exact book at a more competitive price and as an updated revised second edition. Essentially stole stole all their customers and they advertised to get traffic that I then siphoned all their traffic away from them and sold copies of my own book. Basically, they handed it to me. It's different between playing chess and playing checkers, kids. So, love it. I, That's a great yeah. story. Like, yeah, you know, no, you're I outmatched. It. You're outmanned. You're not necessarily outmatched. I'm one yeah. guy, and I did that. And it's just an example of like, you know, intellectual resources trump financial resources. Uh, I'm sorry, I just said Trump. I didn't mean the person. I meant the concept. Well, that's it. I mean, I think it's great. We got two good stories, one from the beer world, one from the bourbon world. uh, And, you know, one lesson in passion, one lesson in uh, ambush marketing, standing out, being different. And uh, that's exactly what we want to cover on the uh, X Factor podcast. So, John, Coach Brew, another great episode. Parker, another great episode from you. I think the contributions you've given are, they keep getting better every time. So, solid freaking work, DFE. Thank John, you. John, remember, we got to put a sticker on his little sticker chart after this. I do. Yeah, I've got I got the chart over here. We're going to just a little, little star. Yep. It's a gold star. Don't that's don't a, sell yourself short, Parker. That's a gold that's, star. That's a gold. That's yes. A star. <laughs> so I'd encourage everyone listening to this. Look at what Jim Cook did. Look at what Bill Samuels did in Maker's Mark. How can you defy the norms of your industry and chase quality? not money you can even check chase excellence and not money too did i say the wrong word for you you said quality but i think you've been drinking so i just followed it up with excellence so uh, one last story i love this okay this is hysterical so and i am perfectly coherent and perfectly sober i'll have you know all right. So um, for their advertising copy, Bill Samuels, again, like intellectual resources, <clears throat> Trump, financial resources. For one of their ads, they decided because people started copying their ads and copying, you know, putting their ads in the same publications that Makers is advertising. Some brands in particular did this uh, because they felt threatened by makers, some bigger brands that might have a better known, more established name. So God bless Bill Samuels. I think he's a genius. He went out and found somebody named Jack Daniel. Mm. And it's a different Jack Daniels than you're thinking. Okay. 
um, they got him a try maker's mark and asked him if it was better than Jack Daniels. And when he said yes, they quoted him in a full page ad. All it says is Jack Daniels only drinks maker's mark whiskey. I love it. Wow. Which is so they, so they literally, brilliant. They it's found brilliant. A, a random guy basically named Jack, Jack Daniels. Daniels. Yeah. And then made them try both of them and then basically said Maker's Mark was better. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's dirt. That's dirty. That's brilliant. Playing dirty, but that's awesome. Chestnut checkers, son. X Factor right there. Yep. And that's wow. a wrap on this episode. If you haven't done so already, shame on you. You need to subscribe. Uh, if you're maybe a P3 or a P2 and you want to elevate and separate to P1 status, what you need to do is you need to subscribe, rate, review the most wild, crazy, roasting, insane, different, weird, bizarre comment or review could win you a fabulous prize. John, what's the fabulous prize? Well, we've got uh, two great books from two world-class authors. We've got uh, Eye of the Watch. Uh, written by a guy named John S. Rainey. Who wrote the forward to that thing, by the way? Uh, Coach Brew did, as a matter of fact. And then, of course, we've got a new book, which I don't have here to show, but we have Beyond Stadium Status, the new book out from uh, Coach Brew, yep. and uh, which I haven't seen yet, but um, I'm looking forward to seeing it. But that's also available. We're going to get that out to our first, or people that we believe are the best at comments uh, either on our, our on our Instagram page, on our YouTube page, on our Twitter account. But one thing I really like is go to the xfactorpodcast.com and there's actually a button there. You can leave us a voice message and you can be really outrageous. And if it's really outrageous, we'll actually include that audio in the show too. So leave a voicemail. Leave a voicemail. We'll yeah. call you back. You might end up yeah. in the show intro or outro or a commercial in the middle if it's really outstanding. Yes. We, we may even we may even just put it in the middle. If it's super outrageous, we'll put it in the middle and we'll talk about it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we'll showcase you. You'll have your own freaking segment on the show. Exactly. Yeah. But it has to be perfect. It has to be so outrageous to the point where it's crazier than Coach Brew himself. And that's hard to do. Yeah. Crazier than Mankini, Coach Brew, drinking... Maker, maker's mark with a cowboy hat and sunglasses at night and corn titties exactly well that's it for the x-factor podcast hope you enjoyed it have a great day subscribe rate and review and go buy my book while you're at it beyond stadiumstatus.com uh also be freaking different bye bye